Welcome back to Biomod, the Nerd Weekly video game podcast. On this episode, we're going to go over crunch time and our favorite memories in video game storytelling. But for now, we're going to go to what we have been playing lately. And has anybody been playing things lately? How about Will? I continued playing Gardens Between Us. I can't, yeah, it's not the right title. I'm getting it wrong. Is it, it, a, it, is it, it it's, Garden it's, Between You? It's uh, the Garden Between Us. Garden, you you. Gardens Between, I think. Gardens, gardens Between, between. Us. Right. Is it gardens between. There still is no yes. garden? Yes. Because yeah. I think I saw, actually, there was no literal garden. Mm-hmm. That's but, that's still a travesty, but so I I, uh, I had a stressful day, and so I like it was actually the perfect game to just kind of veg Those out. Are always and, great. Yeah, it's like there's no real pressure. You're just kind of existing and doing stuff and appreciating some clever puzzles. But the surprise was at the end, you finally get like a glimpse of what the story really is, and it's I it, I was taken by surprise at how emotional it actually was for me just Mm. because it used like kind of get the significance of what you're doing the entire time that's a nice little twist it might it might have hit me more than other people but it kind of you realize like all of the elements of the game have a more significant message than you might perceive while you're walking yeah and you check it out i also played uh monster hunter Oh, oh yeah, you started well, because did you see me playing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I had it for a while. I played it before oh, yeah. I put in World. Like twenty hours. Yeah, okay. And it it's a good game, mm-hmm. you know. And I love like all the monster designs and everything. And I've never actually played it with someone, and I think that's what it was kind of designed for. Was yeah, we should cooperate, uh, group up once. Yeah, I we should get further in the game. Because by myself, it's oh man, I tried to just capturing that kulu yuku i don't know what the you know the bird name and Uh, i swear i i took me like eight tries and you can only carry one shock trap every time so every if you miss it you have to like completely restart reload everything Mm -hmm. yeah well that's a bummer yeah Yeah. so i i like that game and i hate it at the same time Mm -hmm. there's definitely a love-hate relationship in between it how about you so I finished Titanfall two, I, de- okay. I defeated it. I, I beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good. It wasn't as good as I felt some people were making it seem. Like I heard pretty consistently. Did from, it? Did you feel like it ended pretty abruptly? Yeah, I was like, yeah, Whoa. I, I did too. Wow. And then how it ended, I was like, eh. Yeah. Um, it was more fun. The the level design, yes. I felt was more fun than the actual story. So line. it was a ton of fun to play, but. Uh, a lot of people who, when I remember the reviews coming out about it, was like, this is one of the best first-person shooter story games in a long time in recent memory. And that mm. may be true, but it, it kind of put, again, it put a little bit on a pedestal for me yeah. that I expected from it. And I felt it was hitting those beats early on in the game. Like when it introduced the whole time travel part, like that whole time travel level is so cool, uh, gameplay mechanics-wise. But the Have the, you... Um, have you played, uh, oh, what was that? Dishonored 2. No, but I I know there, the, I've seen the There's a whole switching level. in between. Yeah, and it, it's, it does the same thing and it's amazing, just yeah. like that. Yeah, that's, it's, it is good, but yes, they're abrupting like you, your final boss isn't really a final boss. It's mm-hmm. the henchman of the main person. 
But then the henchman, the main boss is like, you know what? I'm not going to kill you because I'm not getting paid money. Oh, here's a card for Apex, which leads into Apex Legends. And yeah, he's like, you were pretty good. He's like, you can have this. And then he puts an Apex card on top of your, um, your Titan's mask where he's like, you know, you can hold on to this. And then obviously things happen after that. But that's kind of the climax of it. Hmm. And with the main baddie, who you only hear really in, so you at very early on in the game, you still right. a radio, so you have the yeah. channel for the yeah. bad guys, so you only hear him talking through that radio part of it. Through and the whole game, through the whole game, that's really your only interaction with him, until the very end. Yeah, and then he's like, "All right, you're, you know, I'll just leave my henchman to take care of you. You beat the henchman, and he's like, "All right, well, I'm not gonna kill you, so I'll see you later. Here's an apex card." I was <laughs> like, oh. So it was a little anticlimactic. But other other than that, the journey on the way to the end was actually a ton of fun to play. I'm wondering, did they update the game? Maybe, it's, that, maybe I don't remember that. Maybe it's possible. It, that could be possible. Hmm. I do want to give a shout out to the credits, though. Okay. So the credits um, are in-engine, and when it shows the character, it shows the person who voice acted them, and there's a really cool scene where you fight uh, a bunch of different titans throughout the game. And it has them all lined up in like an action pose with their pilot out front. And it tells you who voiced them. Okay. So like the the credits in Titanfall 2 are actually pretty cool. If you if you ever happen to play that, you should totally stay for after the credits for sure. Because I thought the credits were really, really well handled. It wasn't just scrolling of like, hey, here's do yeah. this. And then stuff in the background. It was like a little bit more active. So I definitely enjoyed that. Uh, I can't remember. Was it this one that had the the... Level that's it's like building neighborhoods. Yes. yes. Okay. So you're in you're, you're like, in a factory. Like yeah. It reminded me a lot of Portal Two or Portal One. Yeah, it's really they have a couple of different moments like that. Like the whole factory sequence is so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Where it remind actually reminds me of Attack of the Clones episode two. Uh, yeah, episode two Star Wars, where they're in the mm-hmm. factory and they have to he has to oh, like jump through, through all the different as things. they're making like different droids and so it kind of remind me a little bit of that. So that was definitely super enjoyable. The other one I've been playing, I I was like, oh, I'll sit down. I got an hour. I haven't played, you know, Borderlands 3 is going to come out. I'll play mm-hmm. Borderlands 2. Plus, it was on sale on Xbox for like 15 bucks, the handsome collection. Mm-hmm. And like maybe 15 on, hours later, I'm on, still playing it. On Steam, it was, you get it for like four bucks. Yeah, well, unfortunately, like we talked about, I don't have a <laughs> PC. But the game's really good, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm having so much fun playing it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Andrew and I started up, uh, yeah, we, the first one, first one, and we were having a lot of fun. They, the first one game, of the, the, it was they a, remastered it. They had yeah, the remastered edition, so it plays exactly like the second one, hmm. which is really nice. Yeah, because it's originally cool. the game was kind of clunky. Oh yeah, yeah, very clunky. Like I, I accidentally started up the original, thinking that it was like the remastered, the remastered edition. I was like, this is exactly the same, and then it started <laughs> up the remastered edition. Was like, oh no, this is this is much better. Uh, for me, I started and finished Crackdown three um, this week. And, uh, <laughs> finished it, uh, and that's not a testament to how short the game is. That's a testament of how many hours I actually put in this week oh, yeah. uh, playing that game. Uh, it was extremely enjoyable. Like I think I put four to five hours each day. <laughs> so i probably put it's a part-time like, job yeah, yeah. <laughs> i put about 30 to 40 hours um into 
I just beat it right before we came here. Um, and now I'm in the midst of 100% collecting all the orbs. I want to do all the, the races because it's one of the only games where I actually enjoy racing missions because mm-hmm. it's Cause the, your souped up vehicle. Your souped up vehicle. And then you also get the uh, the rooftop races of it's all acrobats and I love jumping. And they added <clears throat> jump packs in this so you can like do vertical and horizontal jumping as like... You have your super jump, but then you get, like, two more jumps after it. And then you've got, like, horizontal, like, boost jumps. Hmm. Uh, and so they make traversing a lot easier and a lot more fun. And the gunplay is just so much fun. The they There's just a lot of elements from the first one that they brought to this. That It's all the good elements from the first one. And then thrown in with the goofy story. And the story is goofy, but it's goofy on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. it's not a, uh, it's a very basic. Is the director of the bad guy? No, he actually, I think <laughs> continually throughout that first one was like, this guy's kind of annoying. Then at the end when he's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah now we, we have the power. It's yeah. Like, uh, and we, yeah. And it, like, are at you the a end, good guy? It was like, yeah, we started the gangs. Because, are we good guys? Yeah. <laughs> there was that element there. They, they have callbacks to the first one. Like the, uh, the main villain, it talks about how she had buyers all over the world for this chemical that they make. And the three highest, like the, her three top buyers were the Los Santos mm-hmm. and the the Russians. And then the, I, I only know the Los Santos because they're the first gang you fight in yeah. the first crackdown. So that's the only name that really sticks in my head. But uh, the Russians and the, the Japanese. And it says like they're gone now, so she had to do something. She had to go to a bigger buyer, which caused her to black out the whole world. Uh, the buyer needed something uh, for her to do that, and so that's what this whole the whole game is: is like you're being regenerated from dead agents um, because she wiped out all the agency, wow. uh, <laughs> and so and you have to take her down and her lieutenants and. You do certain missions which bring out her lieutenants and then you have to take them out. They all have their own boss battle. That's very cool. So there's it's the same thing as the first crackdown with just more unique and variety added to it, uh, which I re- really enjoy. And so I just couldn't stop playing it. How was Terry Crews? Uh, he's barely in it. Oh, okay. So he's at the very beginning. So he's mostly was just for to sell it. Yeah. And I think you can play as him, mm-hmm. uh, which I... I I did because each what they brought is each of the agents specialize in a certain ability that uh, gives you experience in that field faster. And so the character I'm using is uh, brute force and guns mm-hmm. and his isn't like I want to level up those skills faster. That than sounds him. like Terry. Yeah. Cruz I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Terry I think, was going to specialize I think it's, anything, uh, it's brute force. I think I think brute force is one, but then I think the other one is agility for him. And I want the gun experience and mm. and when I mean brute force, I mean melee. So yeah, uh, oh, so I want melee and guns versus uh, melee and in the agility. expendables. Doesn't he have enormous guns? Uh, yeah, he has uh, an automatic they're called shotgun. his arms. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's just a a lot of cool elements that they they brought to this one. He is if you take they have propaganda towers, and it's a giant like hologram of the bad person and if you take that down he appears and he's like the like you need to go kick their butt mm. and you know <laughs> he doesn't say butt uh 
and he just booty, said uh, booty, 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 definitely. Uh, kick their tukuses. Yeah, <laughs> kick and their sitapons. And it's it's really, it's really funny. It's a and you know it's just funny to look at him a giant hologram of Terry Crews in the sky. Were you surprised mm-hmm. because the game was pretty generally widely not well received? Critically? I was extremely surprised actually. Okay, because. My biggest, my my last experience was Crackdown Two, which was bad. That was a bad game, um, compared to the first one. It just it took the not fun elements of the first one and tried to expand on those. It's like that's that's not what I wanted. Uh, and this one, like it took like it took out the mutants, whole mutant aspect. Uh, it brought brought back the gang aspect. That the more you take down the gang, the more the militia, the police like rise so that way you're getting more help throughout the city but which isn't too much because there was a point i was telling will this that i was infiltrating one of the the lieutenant's like headquarters and there was explosions and i was getting shot and i was wiping the floor with everyone and it made me feel so great because i was a a secret super soldier agent and i felt like it like I have an issue with a lot of games where it's like we give you all these great abilities and all these buffs and you go in and you get just you get hammered and it's just like why is this still hard like I have worked so hard to make my character super awesome and how come the bad guy just keeps getting stronger and stronger with me and this game definitely does the opposite the more you are playing the game the weaker the enemy is getting because you are actually taking out parts of the enemy that they needed so um cool yeah that that reminds me a little bit so before i started borderlands 2 i almost started over star wars the force unleashed okay because it's about to leave game pass like it's on the leaving game pass soon i was like i haven't played those in a while yeah i'll give them a shot and i downloaded and i start playing and that's how you feel when you're darth vader starting off and you're in kashyyyk you're just like tossing wookies like they're like mm-hmm. old trash and like like you're just able to wreck people like you're not even worried about anything and it's it's fun when you can play video games there there i do feel like there's obviously there's a ton of type of different video games yeah. but there is that certain genre of like video game video gamey where like the whole reason why i'm playing this is i'm able to do things that i can't do in real life yeah. and i'm able to dominate and be super powerful there's a reason it's i play challenge Dynasty kind of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go uh, for me, uh, it's the uh, Tomb Raider update. Okay. I uh, stopped doing uh, caves and challenges and started doing the main story. The leader for the group that's in the Hidden Valley got killed, and Jacob got kidnapped. And um, oh, what's the name of the villains? The company is yeah. Trinity. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah, the brother and sister got the little orb thing and. Uh, Chris, Chris, Christian, Christopher, Chris, something, the Trinity brother, he shot Jacob and <laughs> Jacob couldn't shoot him. It was very annoying, but Jacob's like the conscious while Laura's like this avenging mm-hmm. creature, it seems. So that was, I've, I played the game and that was a moment where I was actually surprised. I, and then wasn't surprised. I thought when he shot Jacob, I was like, did they just kill Jacob? That's actually pretty cool. Like just mm. that they, that he, you think that he's one of the characters like he gets in all these situations and nothing like there's no consequence to it. 
And so, and then like he got up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, no, he's he's still." Wait, which one is Jacob? Is that her? He's the Samoan. Yeah. He's, he's like the Samoan huge yeah. guy. Yeah. Well, because in the second one, there's the the local town leader. That yeah, that's the, that's the one I, I was I was talking about. The leader. Of, oh, of that he group. shot he got, Jacob. He got no, no, no. no, no. He, he got killed. He dies. Sorry, spoiler. No, this game's no, no, you're fine. <laughs> that, I I played up to a uh, question about that. Those local people. Uh-huh. uh they're like Americans with like normal clothes, yet they're in this like secret hidden valley. No, Where are they getting all these resources? I, I don't think they're Americans. I think no. they well, are. they all sound. Well, I mean, I think they are supposed the to be like Romanians or whatever. Well, they definitely don't sound it, and they definitely have like modern day clothes in this secret hidden valley. Hey, brother, it, you been it, to Romania it, lately? It, can, it, can it is where well, I am the, from. The valley isn't super secret. Like they they talk about how they've. They get like supply packages and stuff. Yeah, um, and there's like all those buildings with uh, like satellites and stuff yeah. on it. I'm just like, it's, it's a hidden the, valley. The like when temple, I think hidden, the temple where the temple is hit, that's hidden. When I think of hidden valley, I, I think of like the the tribe in the first one. Where, yes, where it was very tribal and like yeah. these are people that are wearing like really nice skins, but they're still skins. And, and you get and you get more of those again in the third, third one. one. Okay, um, but the when I was playing through it, the more I saw it is that these were, these are a people that are known. Um, mm. And like, you get that with all their defenses that people have tried to attack them before. And it's just, there's this legend that they're supposed to be protecting. And yeah. they do, like, as, as you learn from like the, the dot, his daughter, like she doesn't actually believe in it. And that, that is the hidden thing. That's the hidden, like part is that temple. Oh, yeah. their garden. See, see, when I think hidden Valley, I think ranch. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the first thing that comes I think to mind of, for me. I think of Atlas Shrugged, where that was an advanced hidden valley. Uh just wanted to notify you guys. I did play Vermintide too, and I'm level. You up. played a lot of Vermintide too. You got you're well, like level nine, lucky. level ten, level eight. Okay, but oh, you're way past any of us. I've been waiting to play with you guys. <laughs> I thought you guys were seven. That's you know, any time. I don't feel like I have to be the one that starts all these parties. I'm always no, you I'm guys always offline, man. <laughs> You are always on. I do. I have no idea when Andrew's online, so yeah, it's I tough to just. I just assume. Oh, everybody's busy. I'll just do <laughs> no, my thing. I am literally just downstairs. Yeah, that's true. I know where I know where you are. Ben. Just, just send out a text. We'll all get on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. Right. I'm always down. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and this has been making plans. Biomodded. Biomodded. The podcast brings us together to the news section of the podcast where we talk about. Uh, the ongoing kerfuffle with crunch in the video game industry. And we have an article how Fortnite's success led to months of intense crunch at Epic Games by Colin Campbell at Polygon. Yeah, Polygon. Yeah. Go ahead with it. All right. AJ. So the article reads, The popularity of Fortnite has been transformative for Epic Games, but the game's explosive growth led to months of intense crunch for the Epic employees and contractors. Mm-hmm. Some of whom say they felt extreme pressure to work grueling hours to maintain Fortnite's success and profitability, which resulted in a toxic, stressful environment at the company. In dozens of interviews conducted by Polygon over a period of several months, current and former employees say they regularly worked in excess of 70-hour weeks, with some reporting even 100-hour weeks. Contract staff and Epic's quality assurance and customer service department spoke of a stressful and hostile work environment in which working overtime, while officially voluntary, was an expected service to the company. 
Although contract staff were paid overtime, developers report a culture of fear in which they were expected to pull long uh, long hours as part of their job. Some reported suffering health issues after working consecutive months of 70-hour weeks. Crunch is the name given to the working intense overtime, sometimes for stretches that last weeks or months. In the game industry specifically, it was generally associated with the period leading up to a game's launch, but in the age of early access release, post-launch updates, downloadable content, and games as a service, crunch can be a constant problem. So this is interesting for me because, like that last paragraph said, it was just generally accepted that yes, you're the the months leading up to launch, there was a there was a crunch time, like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't as seen as a, a unhealthy thing. That's like there's issues. We need to make sure we're going to put in more hours so that way when this game launches, it's more solid. Um, and game companies would typically take like three months off after that yeah. to recharge and, re- re- and regroup. regroup. And so it is interesting to me, yeah, with these games as services that that crunch time never goes away, that it is a constant burnout, essentially, is what I'm seeing with these. Especially when you do something where you spend a lot of time, like we talked about with the Sonic movie and the mm-hmm. animators, they're going to go into over. <laughs> like super crunch, overtime yeah. crunch with and hopefully this. we hope yeah. that they'll be paid like, for that overtime yeah uh fairly and where i know with Fortnite and stuff they put in a ton of time and they actually did something where they updated the game to be more competitive and a lot of people complained uh the casual side complained and like made them re we go back and change everything again. So it's even that of just like, hey, we've been spent major all this time. influencers like Ninja. He yeah. left and played Uno for yeah. about like a week. Well, the funny thing is because then they changed it back to the mm. casual play, and then that's when <laughs> he left. Oh right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. because he enjoyed, he enjoyed the more competitive, the competitive. Uh, scene of it, and so then like now they're having to deal with that, and now it's more crunch time of like, okay, now we have to rebalance everything. It is an interesting aspect of. We, we live in an age where a game, after it comes out, isn't done. Mm, which um, is really sad. Yeah. And just imagine a 70 to 100 hour work week. like All the time. All the time. Like, I, I got annoyed when we'd work Saturday, which w- it would have been like a 48 hour, 48 <laughs> hour work week for me, which is nothing compared to what these people went through. And that's understandable for a normal game. Like, say, God of War. They got a... I'm sure they took like a few months off afterwards because they were done with it. But with these games, yeah, that are live service continuing, continuing. There isn't a end. And uh, oh, what was the company that did uh, Titan uh, Titanfall? Yeah, Respawn. 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 Yeah, they they had their uh, live service and they're taking less time because they don't want to overwork people. Well, and now people and they are actually pe- people are leaving the game because of this. So it's kind of like culture also influencing the fact that these guys have to keep working like this. Because the player, because if they don't keep updating it, the players the new will go stuff, away. The players go away. Yeah, they're not excited and about then, it. So, so I do, this may not be a popular opinion, yeah. I do question the validity of months on months of 70 to 100 hour work weeks and whether that's not uh, exacerbated, not exacerbated, but a little bit exaggerated. Uh, exaggerated. Um, I'm not questioning their integrity that they don't work 70 yeah. or 100 hour weeks or they haven't do it, but doing it months and months and months on 
at a period of time. When you work a 100-hour work week, that means you work seven days, averaging 14 to 15 hours a day, yeah. all seven days for multiple months. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, So I have been at a job where I have worked a 100-hour work week. I've been there. It is exhausting beyond in, and I couldn't imagine doing it for a whole bunch of months, but I have also worked... 50 to 70 hour work weeks like you're talking the 48 and those weeks feel so long and dragging that i do see that it's possible that some people may exaggerate like if they do work a 50 or 60 hour work week which is still super long and you shouldn't be doing that for months on end Mm. even though there's a bunch of people who do that it was saying that they left because they had mental problems yeah and i i I just i kind of just have a hard time being like that you it let was this go as... on for months and months and months. I get like you like you talk about with God of War, mm. like that last month, like or that last everyone's couple of weeks. In on enough, it. Everyone's right. in. We got to put in the fourteen-hour days. I totally get that. But even with the seventy, if you work a seventy-hour work week, that's an average of ten hours a day, mm-hmm. right? There's twenty-four hours in a day, fourteen hours for free time. You sleep eight hours. That leads with six hours of at least decompression. Granted, there's still commuting and a whole bunch of other stuff, but. It, I don't know. For me, I just have a hard time being like at all these because it isn't just epic. Mm, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. all That's, these other. And there's there's several other. Yeah, like the Rockstar. Uh, there was an article Rockstar's about a good Rockstar, example, yeah. and the HR person basically said we we have on file like the hours that they literally recorded, and it's not matching up with like their testimony exactly. And, and to me. Uh, like I never want to question the validity of what that person feels and the stress that they're under that there's no question of that. But someone who is under that much duress does not have an accurate perspective of what's going on in the whole picture. Yeah. And I think again, and I think it's because it sounds better. hundred, it's a nice round out. Like, yeah. like, man, we were working 70 to hundred hour work weeks, like hundred sounds. I could believe that for the Hauser brothers because I mean, that's their life, pretty much. It was making that game. Yeah, and then that calls into question of, like, how much was it? Because uh, it said uh, in this where it's, like, some of it was voluntary. Like, just how much of that was but it was, also, But there yeah. was a pressure from yeah, There's upper, always an unspoken yeah. expectation. Yeah. I've, you ever heard of mandatory fun? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to do this, but yeah. if you don't do it, there will be consequences. Will be consequences. Yeah. So you don't I, have to I, do it. So my company's done I've, that. I actually was thinking about this a lot because I really enjoy thinking about systems and and people and how people operate under just things that people build. And I've been considering this philosophical idea for a while, and that is that problems are never solved. They are just transferred, Hmm. just like energy is never created or destroyed. It's just transferred into something else. So when you solve one problem, you're creating a lot of others. And in the case of Epic, they solve the problem of, oh, hey, we want to be successful. Okay, we we solve the problem of unsuccessful, but it it's too much for how much uh, manpower we have. And so like your demand is growing faster than you're able to even hire people and train them. And so it's like they, yeah, they're like, their solution was, okay, yeah, we'll just hire a bunch of more people, but they can't actually keep up with, with the work that yeah. is demanded. Mm-hmm. And what I... I really respect about Epic. From what I can tell, they seem to be a good company because they actually paid their employees. They mm-hmm. they gave them three or four times the bonus or a, a bonus that was three or four times their salary. And so to me, that at least gives the employee saying, okay, I, I know what I'm walking into. They want to stay with you know, just because like... <clears throat> 
well, feel well like no like so care. like i i totally would understand you walk into epic for four months make a bunch of money and then go on vacation for the rest of the year and then find another job after that um but there are other companies who have the same exact problem that are not paying their employees very well like someone uh reported twelve dollars an hour what at, yeah oh gosh what um, for another realm, I believe. Okay. And part of why that worked out is because they had, they did get paid for overtime. So I don't know how much it didn't say whether they were getting like time and a half or, mm-hmm. or double time. So they did get paid well, technically, but it just wasn't, you know, when your base pays $12 an hour, that's absolutely ridiculous yeah. for those kinds yeah, of Yeah. If you try to make a living, yeah. If you try to make a living, especially on- with how much <clears throat> the games. Yeah. Make. Well, to- like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there yeah. with you. The other thing is that, when it comes to the mandatory voluntary, mm-hmm. the other thing I do want to point out is that sometimes at when you create a certain type of culture, I've been around this before, the people who put in more time get recognized for it. Yeah. So it's not that the higher ups are going, no, 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 you have to work 100 hours is you do get this almost like peer pressure and going, mm-hmm. well, Steve and Joe and Sally are working the 70 hours and they're getting their promotions and the pay but I'm only working 40, 50 hours and I'm not being looked at for any of this stuff. So it becomes an internal pressure of going, I now got to do what they do. And it's not so not saying that there isn't, there's probably absolutely companies where bosses like, you know, you don't have to, but, and they treat them lesser Mm -hmm. than a standard employee. And I I think that's where you see the commonality of the fear culture being talked about is because like when I was going to school, like I had a fear culture. If I don't get this grade, this somehow in my head, I thought, you know, this you is going to affect the yeah. rest of my life if I don't do well on this one single freaking test, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but what I realized is because I was there five days a week and the other two, I was doing homework, trying to catch up constantly. And when you are constantly have your head buried in one institution's influence, you have no real perspective of what, what the rest of the world actually wants. Like, like no employer was going, yeah, all, all those things that the, the school's telling you is what we want. In fact, it was quite the opposite, really. Mm-hmm. And so like if you are working 100 hour work weeks, you develop this culture of fear where you're like, oh, if I don't do this, there will be consequences. Yeah. When in reality, if you walked away from that job, there's someone else that really wants you. Like yeah. you are in demand. You know, what's funny is that last night, uh, uh, we watched an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where the main character, Jake, won't stop working. So he yeah. has a broken rib and a mm-hmm. broken thumb and he's a police officer. And he's like, well, the last time I did this and I was on vacation, a perp got away and people died. And I like they it becomes like you get so invested in your work and you're so afraid of like the uh what's the mofo is that what they call it Miss- uh, fear FOMO. Of missing out fomo, FOMO. the fear of the fear of the fear of missing out yeah. and that becomes a yeah. part of it of that mm-hmm. like if i don't do this then i will lose everything and that's something personally i had a really bad problem with is i would put too much investment in um certain things where i would then beat myself down whether it was like fitness like if i don't work out six days a week i'm not truly trying harder like there's people out there that are working out seven days a week three hours and i'm never going to look the way i want to look or um whether it's football coaching football man if i don't spend six hours a day reading up on you know what i'm saying like like it's weak 
to stay like take time and play crackdown all week or watch movies <laughs> or no but that's what i'm no, saying I'm is that yeah. there does become that that social pressure of being like i'm being lazy and like, if you're not there at the company working there those many hours they have younger uh single yeah. kids coming in and taking over the role yeah. just wanting to prove just themselves an and yeah. you're yeah. never gonna run out of those yeah. Yeah. and if that becomes an even i more, mean they're because they're been they, they're told to do that yeah. so it's yeah. like mm-hmm. it becomes even more a problem as a married man with a kid and a second right, kid right, on the way yeah. things change like i'm not able to do as much Which as a single the person interesting aspect of that is you out of the, those two people you actually needed the most as like you as a single because person, you have a family you, you, yeah you oh, have yes. that you're responsible for like yes you you need the money more yeah you have something um, to provide for like yeah. not being single like there's nothing wrong with being single oh no no, no. The rest of no your life. yeah definitely not saying yeah that and that person i also deserves less money <laughs> and i also don't think that if you're doing the same amount of work yeah that someone should be paid more, more because, because they have a family fa- yeah like situation that, yeah. like right. you got to take someone's quality work by what they do what they do but I do think, again, you can use certain things as a tiebreaker, and this would be, I don't want to get too down a deeper hole, but let's say it's a wash Mm work-wise. Like everything's exactly equal. There's nothing different, but one person is married and has a bunch of kids and one is single. Like I get if you use that as a tiebreaker of like their work is exactly the same. There's nothing, there's no other thing separating them. I get it. Or I get it. Or like you use it with minority or gender. Mm -hmm. It's a complete wash they're both quality workers, but one's a male and one's a female. And females don't get always the same exact opportunities at times in like video game business. I'm going to give her the nod, even though they're equal on every other. You know what I'm saying? I don't think sure. that's the reason why you make a decision. No. I don't think you should ever go, he's married, I'm hiring him. But if you use it as a everything else is equal and I want to help someone out, this single guy has a chance to... Go work he's somewhere else. Yeah, he's like, competent. He's sure. going yeah. to get hired he somewhere no else. I'm he's not too horrible. worried about him. Kind of a the, thing. Something I do find really interesting, though, is that a lot of people, a lot of companies in the tech industry are realizing that this, these kinds of conditions are actually affecting people's performance, mm-hmm. and so they're providing different things like uh, you know wellness being able centers. to work from home. Yeah, wellness centers, gardens, things like that, and even uh, I think as HP was buying up like developments like home developments and their employees were all like living close together and so there there is a big effort in the tech industry to kind of just create healthier humans because healthy humans actually work better. yeah they perform yeah. better and, well and that, that goes back to respawn um with apex is they're not allowed to yeah, work that crunch overtime uh, ea actually has it in their policies of of that um, because that's cool. because of the backlash. Of they the got backlash EA, a long time EA, ago. Was it EA wives or something like that? Yeah. yeah. And like they were overworking their employees and it like became a huge thing. So they, they put it in there that you cannot overwork yourself. So, you know, what's funny too, is that you actually, you talk about more productivity also when it comes time for crunch, like the end of the line, Hey mm-hmm. guys, I know we are used to working 40 hours, but I'm going to ask you to put in 60 this next month because of how important it is. And if you treat them in that way, they're more inclined to be like, Absolutely. I got you. Yeah, I got yeah. you this month. And it's their, you help me. It's their, I, you scratch my back. I scratch yeah. your back. Kind it's of their thing. work, too. Like, I think that's the difference with like something like Fortnite. It's just like, it's, like it's, it's 
Constant. It's getting to the point where it feels soulless and like you're just yeah. putting out new skins well, and, and just stuff like and that. And you guys kind of alluded to it earlier. There's yeah. a big difference between having a self-contained game yeah. and yeah. one that is never ending. Yeah. Mm. And that is a, a really new problem where yeah, we yeah. don't have solutions for it lately. But one point I really want to make about this whole thing is that greatness will always come at the sacrifice of something. Yeah. So if Absolutely. you if you really want like a steady schedule where everything is is easy peasy all the time you're probably going to make mediocre games yeah. to be honest <laughs> like <laughs> and, and even like since i kind of jumped back into this video game thing yeah. I, i'll say i haven't had a really you know I, I don't like to use the word the expression but life-changing experience yet you know it's like mm-hmm. i haven't played a game yet that i was like yeah i you know my life is very different yeah. Since playing that, whereas I can point to Mass Effect and Bioshock actually really did affect me in the way I, um, you know, emotionally process things and mm-hmm. see the world. Yeah, like how often do you play a game that could be a contender for your favorite games of all time? Right. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? And I get it. It becomes harder, progressively harder and harder. Same thing with movies or anything else of like, how do we top original yeah. ideas and everything? Yeah. How do we how do we top what we've previously done? And it, and it does become tougher. And I totally agree with you with the, the ongoing games of that. So I remember that uh, interview with Ed Boon. We've talked about this before. Like when they asked him, like, if you could do anything like this, what you work on, he's just like, I don't want to work on a Mortal Kombat game. He's like, I've been doing this for 20 years, <laughs> you know, but that's what makes the money and yeah, that's what right, people want. Right. And I loved it. Like, this is what made me who I am. And Mortal Kombat is a part of me, but I just, I want to do something different. Yeah. Like, I want to try something different. And sometimes that spawns incredible games. Take, for example, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep, yeah. Like, for years, those guys Kill did Zone. Killzone, first which shooters. was a first person shooter. And then they come out and they do a third person action adventure game. And it's just like, whoa, ho, this is their best game they've ever done. Yeah. And giving people the opportunity to do different things and try different games, especially in a um, area of expertise like video games, which has a certain expression element to it that allowing people to express and not do the same thing over and over and over again. Like if I was ever involved in video games, I would hate to be a part of like, say, like Madden or sports or one of those ones, even though I love football, I love all that stuff. It's just, you are making the same thing over and over and over again. And you're just making minor tweaks. Yeah. Yeah, Like I don't want to work for a call of duty company where it's just, we change what type of call of duty it is. I'm okay working for a company and all we do is shooters. That's fine. But if you're able to be expressive, like, Hey, I want to try this or like God of war, like, Hey, we Mm. did our time in a Greek time. Now let's Mm. try North mythology and change some gameplay mechanics. Like it refreshes you. And they had a, a, the side group that did Ascension that was making a sci-fi game that got scrapped halfway through. And everybody was excited to go to like shooting in space after so long with God of War. And it was a real bummer. Unfortunately, saturation pays. Like, that's the reason why they keep making superhero movies. Mm -hmm. It's the reason why they keep Fortnite is that people want to keep paying for the same thing that they want, even though in hindsight, again, the sacrifice, like you were Mm -hmm. mentioning, is that we would probably get way more better quality products if people were given a chance to express and fail. I tell this to the kids I coach is that you learn way more from failure than from success. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you have to take chances. Gary V, um, Mm -hmm. who's a very successful successful businessman, talks all the time like fail, Mm -hmm. like fail, fail, fail. 
because it teaches you so much and don't be afraid to fail and that it's okay that you fail because the success you get from the failure is better than just taking mediocre, like hitting a, a double is great. Like, don't get me wrong, but hitting a home run is even better, but you got to swing for the fences to hit a home run, yeah. you know, like you have to take that chance and you're going to get some strikeouts. You need to understand. Yeah, baseball. Yeah, baseball. Yeah, baseball. If you are attempting something difficult, you are going to experience failure more than you experience success. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think that, that it's really hard as someone who is trying to, you know, build his own business and like actually, you know, support myself through my own means. It, it can, you feel like you're failing constantly. Like you feel like there's a, an, you move an inch forward for every like eight steps you take back, you know? Yeah. And it's just like constantly living in that place. But you have to realize like it, it requires chances. It requires vulnerability. Like you are doing something that is not easy. Yeah. Vulnerability is actually a really good word because I'm, ex I experienced close, not exactly the same thing that you are experiencing, Will, about a year ago. Where for a long time, I after I got in the military, I was lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I had a lot of people say, hey, you should get into EMS and firefighters. And I knew quite a bit of them and it seemed right and everything like that. And um, I hit a moment being there and I was like, I don't want to do this. This isn't what I want to do. And I made a career change and it was super scary and made yeah. me feel very vulnerable. And that you have to take those chances to be able to be successful. Yeah. And I think so that just that goes crunch. back to, yeah, well, uh, it does go back well, to crunch. with the crunch. Absolutely. Well, I think what it is, is uh, something that I've thought about a lot of just how game developers aren't businessmen. Um, and it, it's an interesting thing when it comes to the video game world, because most of them, in my experience, the people that I know that develop work on games of sorts, very introverted I just want to do this one thing. I don't want to be bothered with anyone else types of people. Uh, and when you make a game and then you then start a company because you made that game and it was super successful, you are now in charge of other people. Uh, yeah. And it's it was shown with Notch from Mojang is a prime example of a person who created something that was unique and cool. Uh, but did not know how to run his company to the point where Microsoft offered him billions of dollars and he took it and uh, the company seems to be flourishing like on the updates and everything they're doing for Minecraft. And getting rid of any... Yeah. Uh, and the negativity he brought. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're trying to get rid of any uh, shred of evidence that, that he worked he was, on it. Yeah, worked on it. <laughs> Except and for the, I mean, credits. that just all came out that he also was yeah. a nut. Like generally, nut job. Was, yeah, people <laughs> uh, didn't like him. But it, it just, the, I see it a lot where the people in charge of these companies, they get bought out by bigger companies because they just mm -hmm. cannot manage the team that they have. And then the bigger companies come in and say, you're doing this you're doing because this. this makes money and yeah. that over there doesn't. Yeah. yeah and it's then, about the bottom line. Yeah. Like the bottom line which, is king. Which with business that like, I don't blame them for that because yeah. it's like they, they bought this company because they wanted to make money with this company uh, from from the, the bigger. The yeah. bigger if ones. you want to exist, you yeah. have to be making money yeah. or else you and don't get so, to make games anymore. My, fa my favorite, whenever talking about this, it reminds me, uh, I, think, I think it was Jay-Z, not to get too off topic. He's like, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's weird. But he's if, weird. Yeah. <laughs> I I really do enjoy playing indie games mm-hmm. and I like to support those because yeah. I feel that a lot of the people that don't want to deal with the crunch time culture but are truly passionate about games and to have to be able to express themselves, I mm-hmm. could see them starting their own indie companies or yeah. going and then to they, indie companies. They crunch themselves. <laughs> they crunch yeah, themselves. Like, yeah, it becomes. But, it's, it becomes but they still have to make money too. But it's about too. the passion for yes. them. It's not right. that they're trying to compete with other people. And yeah. you get such a, a different experience with an indie game yeah. that I appreciate because it's not a hundred people working on one yeah. thing. It's you know two to twelve. And mm-hmm. and uh, I was doing more research of just why companies with a lot of money like why crunch time like happens because my company that i work with right now the more people we have uh Mm -hmm. the easier the job is like like it would be employees yeah the yeah Yeah. the more employees where right with coding that's not the case like the more people you throw at coding coding the worse it's going to be you want like so many bugs because because people so many different there's not communication (laughs) and you know, yeah. I went to school for computer science, yeah. and so I do have coding experience. Yeah. And the personalities of of coders are like so lone wolf. Like yes. everybody yeah. is a lone wolf, and to try to like it's get like, all I of your code, code to be is, cohesive yeah. is it is a project to yeah. get everybody to work together. And everybody's willing on the surface, but yeah. when it comes down to it, they kind of just want to get it done. The more coders you start throwing yeah. in, the it's just it's going to more blow problems. up. Yeah, not, not um, every problem can be solved with more. Yeah, sometimes uh, you have to solve it and, with less. And that's something that I could definitely or something see with, with Epic like, of just like the Epic. more people you throw at it, that it's not going yeah. to solve this problem. What Epic should do is like yeah. have like say three or four core groups and switch them in and out. So like this group takes a break, this group focuses on the new yeah. update. Then they switch it out again and again. But once so again, the problem kind of like Call of Duty, where yeah, they have yeah. Sledgehammer, yep. Infinity Ward, yeah. Raven. Oh, yeah. uh, but the issue we have with Epic is Epic doesn't have and, EA to and, come out and say, "Hey, this is how we're going to work Epic, this." Like and, this is this is the first thing they've ever done like this. Yeah, They're brand yeah. new to it. Yeah, I it mean, was an accident. It most. was a huge accident. Yeah. Fortnite, what it is now, was definitely not what it started oh, out as. It used to be a, a base tower building defense, tower yeah. defense, and it the fact that this was just a free side thing that they threw in and it became the success and it spawned a genre like obviously there was battle royale games before it but you can literally point back to fortnite and PUBG, and well fortnite's standing more than PUBG is PUBG people still play it but now there are a ton of battle royales and it was because of fortnite's success yeah interesting stuff okay Mm. we're gonna have a break and come back in a while to discuss favorite video game moments in storytelling and stuff and stuff and we're back to discuss the main topic which is storytelling in video games did it change your life did it influence you some way did it emotionally impact you did you laugh emotionally impacted me oh yeah did it, did it touch you in ways you've never been touched before <laughs> i don't want to talk about the ways. <laughs> like i've been touched <laughs> what, what did she touch oh like a virgin that's her song. oh yeah. right yep yep that her song thing yeah yeah she has music yeah she, she does music that's what she good. does She's timeless. Right. 
She's like Keith Richards. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> He's timeless. <laughs> He's still alive. Yeah. I'll start off with one of the biggest moments in a recent game, Last of Us. I was devastated at the beginning, just the start. It introduced uh, Joel's daughter. I was like, oh, cool. I really enjoy her. And then I thought back to the trailers that was very missing her character. And I was like, oh, no. And so I was I was emotionally prepared for it. But when it happened, it still hit me. And I was like a sobbing, snotty mess as the title card goes by. Yeah, very definitely. And it hits you right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely has a great pacing that first 20 minutes of the game of calm to just straight dread. Yeah. Of like escaping. <laughs> it just starts going downhill. Yeah, it oh, really, starts really, and it just really goes fast. downhill from there. But in a good way, obviously. Mm-hmm. In a yeah. way you expect a zombie apocalypse to go down. A clicker apocalypse, however you want to look at it. And it was a very different way to start a game where it's like 20 years it 20 years before the actual the game. game. Yeah. yeah. And you, you really feel for Joel and understand where he's coming from throughout the rest of the game i'm not going to spoil it but like the ending like i understand the way he acted a lot of people didn't enjoy that but it made sense for your the character all he went through and the storytelling was just amazing to get that across yeah i so for me last of us was one of the ones i brought up but there's there's a line so last of us bioshock infinite god of war all made me care about a companion. Mm. So, like, uh, the way that they handled storytelling of that... Like, don't get me wrong, I like the main characters in though. Like, I like Booker, I like Kratos, I like Joel, mm. but I like the companions more. And like, the those relationship. The, yeah, the builds. relationship that they make you care about, that you, like, at times of when... Uh, I think in all those all those games... In Last of Us, it was a little bit different, but there's times where you lose your companion. And you feel yeah. that difference, and like there was something you're so you were so used to, and you cared so much about, mm-hmm. not only as a character development, but as a gameplay development. And then mm-hmm. when it's gone, you feel hamstrung, and you're just like, "Wow!" I, like the game was uh, doing such a great job storytelling wise that now you you feel lost and you feel powerless in those moments that those companions are taken away from you. Uh, Last of Us did the opposite. Where you lose Joel. That's what, that's like, what I mean. Last, um, Last of Us was a little yeah, bit different yeah. in that. Uh, which you, that's an interesting aspect there. That you now are playing the companion that you have been having do things. You have to do that yourself. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's, that was. But also the whole reason why you're only playing as her. Like leading up to with what happens with Joel. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's just trying to help fend for him and save him. And then you see the adventure she goes on in this yeah. cruel world of like what happens when Joel is not there for her. Yeah. And then now you're, you as the player are Joel, even though now you're controlling Ellie. Like, you're, I can't, when I play it, I almost feel like I'm Joel playing as Ellie. Mm-hmm. And that when she's going through the things she's going through, I'm like, oh no, don't do that. Yeah. Like, I'm really worried about what is going to happen to Ellie because I'm so used to as playing as Joel. Like, you're worried about like what Ellie is going through. Okay. Yeah. That, that was for me personally. That's how I felt when it came to the storytelling part of it there. Yeah. yeah. Andrew? Uh, I mean, talked about this on my top 10 as well, but. The Mass Effect series, just the the interesting story that that brought. I love the idea that there's this dormant dormant race that every 
like every millennia will come and just wipe out all life because uh, because life will destroy itself. Um, and it's like a restarting things. And that's what the Reapers are. Like, that's what their whole process was. And that there is a, a lone hero who wants to stop this, but can't convince even when so amazing amounts evidence. of evidence Nobody. cannot, no one cares or believes in it. Like it reminds me of game of Thrones with Jon Snow, just like, cool. You want to play all this politics, but something else is none of that like, matters. Yeah, yeah. There's a bigger thing happening. Um, and you definitely feel that as shepherd of just like, okay, you can play these political games, but in the end it's all going to go away. Um, and that culminates with the third one where it's kind of too late of the Reapers start invading and then everyone's like, oh, uh, what are these? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, we've been telling you. Uh, yeah, I told you yeah, so. Yeah, I told you so kind of thing. And and then it's the, the third game is trying to get everything together and that inevitable last stand of, you know, none of this is going to work, so I have to. I have to go in myself. I need to go to the core of this and try to stop this myself. Uh, but on top of that, of the characters, just the exploring each of the companions stories, seeing where they've come from, who they become. It's incredible, uh, with, especially with the second one, with the the companion side stories of just diving into who they are and what makes them who they are. And I think that's why the third one also fails in that sense of the new characters they bring first of all aren't interesting but then there's none of that dive into the, who they are um the the discovery has kind of yeah. left it's it's yeah. all known at that the point. the only one that was interesting was the dlc character the prothean uh because yes uh jar jar, jar, jar something like that something, yeah, yeah yeah his character was super interesting interesting because when he you think prothean you're like oh these were the ancient race and then he comes out he's like i was a soldier like, I can't tell yeah. you anything about our technology. And yeah. it's like this huge, there's a character who's obsessed with Protheans and she's like so depressed because she finally gets can't to interact and he knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he knows nothing about it. And like, he just comments. Uh, and then you just see more and more like the Protheans were kind of snobbish of like, he talks about how like the Asari were just lizards and, or the Salarians were just lizards. And he's like, it's like, these were naive and races and he just talks about how how much they've grown and how much they look down upon them the prometheans were just enslaving all the other races all the other races and like all of this is just super depressing to see uh but that he's still willing to fight against the reapers like he's and it really it really hit home that it it was you needed to unite all these races yeah prometheans were enslaving and so they didn't really have a big powerful army to go up against these reapers the reapers uh so it was that's probably the the biggest story just um i w- affected me the most i would yeah. add on in a mass effect the idea of that your choices matter mm-hmm. you yeah. hear it in a lot of video sure. games but yeah. this and then the other one that came to mind for me when i was thinking about it is the telltale walking dead series yeah. Yeah. like the idea of that there is a sort of a pressure of when you're faced with all right so you can do this or this yeah. Yeah. or this and you like you feel like oh my goodness, like what I do, it matters. And yeah. it isn't just going to impact this game. It's going to impact my entire saga over yeah. all three of these games, making you care that much more about the characters. Mm-hmm. And characters can be alive and dead that 
in mind they're fine or different completely like a bunch of fear culture to me (laughs) but i think it's really cool and it's tough that so in a lot of video games even ones that are really good that from they have a clear point a and a clear Mm -hmm. point b and people may take different journeys but really it's kind of like slightly different but when you talk about mass effect even though there is a point a and a point b like how people get there is they, wildly yeah. different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like you talk about, like when we talked about, you know, who do you romance? Who's your favorite character? Yeah. Who's this? Like everyone. Yeah, has we talked different... about Caden. We're like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's and again, yeah. there's someone who did care about Caden and saved Caden yeah. and romance Caden, and they have a completely we... different aspect that I will never yeah. see because I didn't care to, you yeah. know, involve myself with Caden. It's almost like these stories reflect life in some sort of way. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, deep that's, yeah, yeah. that's been deep thoughts but i mean that's just the cool thing about it, about it is i haven't experienced a game series that has done that like i've experienced yeah. game series that have attempted like they do their version of it uh but the fact that yeah my third game can look different than yours that because they of the were characters that they were plan- they obviously had a roadmap yeah from the first game set out and branching the stories depending on how you play it all the way up till the third one yeah it's pretty impressive yeah it's a technical marvel let alone Mm -hmm. a uh, storytelling marvel uh you're all looking at me yeah (laughs) no i just built on the two i've just i'm building on you guys any any thoughts uh so i kind of thought of like moments that were pretty pivotal um Mm -hmm. that were very unique ways of expressing expanding on stories and what came to mind was bioshock 2 um i didn't play the first one so i definitely didn't have as much perspective going into it but uh, there were two moments in particular i remember one you're kind of just traversing this strange fallen dystopian you know world and hearing over the intercom like the dictator or the leader uh saying like really philosophically significant things and it's kind of going on in the background so you're like half paying attention and then i just remember this aha moment going like whoa what that's really deep actually what that person just said someone really thought about all of this you know into the game and in that same game you know you are trying to help these little girls and uh well you get (laughs) you get the choice to either save them or harvest (laughs) them yep I think I think I once harvested one either on accident or something, and I literally was like, "What have I done?" Yeah, (laughs) this is the most horrible I've ever felt in a video game. But you, you know, you're walking through just this horrible place. You know, it is absolutely apocalyptic. Everything's run down, and there's you're shooting psychopaths that are mentally deranged and terrifying and trying to kill you but yet this little girl is cheerful through the whole thing and it's super creepy and dissonant and you're trying to you know figure it out and then finally you get to see through the perspective of the little girl and all of these psychopaths are actually like well-dressed well-behaved in like a masquerade ball and like all of the blood are actually like rose petals and everything is like perfect and pristine and it's just like this trippy like uh 
I don't know, reveal, I guess you would say, in the game. That, that they're all kind of brainwashed to think everything is chipper and happy. Uh, Reminds me if, of, if that's the conclusion you want to come to, but uh, whatever yeah. mental state she was in, that's what she's seeing. And that perhaps is the perspective of the psychopaths, too. And it's just like you don't know or understand yeah. that until they reveal it. And you're just kind of left with this strange. They're, they're drugged up, right? The I dog, think so. Yeah, sisters, that's, uh, no, you know, it's the sisters are infused with Adam. Adam, yeah, and that's okay. what they're after. So I know in the game it's been a little bit. You sh- you haven't played the first one, right? Correct. You like if you love the second one and the things you're describing the second one, the first one's like that, just better. Okay. Yeah. So you just, everything you described that you liked about the second one is in the first one, and you should totally play it. But building onto that, I remember playing through the first one. There are like little. Um, vignettes or the tapes you listen to like they found out that the best way to harvest Adam was in young female children so they specifically like altered their DNA and they became almost like carriers of that this precious um, element in Adam that but allowed it, it people to them have mentally, yeah. yeah exactly by doing there were consequences yeah. for it yeah so there, that's like the the game we happy few where you you there's a mechanic where you take the drug and everything seems shiny and bright and happy. And then once the mm. the drug can wear off over time and then it gets like dark, depressing, decrepit, London, that's like gross. And then people start noticing that you're not on that drug and they start going after you and oh. bashing like your face in or something. But to them, it's it probably just looks happy and everything. Yeah. Well, there's that trailer, and then also it was a gameplay review that was really great. And it's in the opening scene of the game where uh, you're still semi on the pill, mm-hmm. and when you're looking in, um, it looks like everyone is hitting a pinata, and then the pinata busts open, and then they start eating all those candy, but then the pill wears off yep. and it ends up it's a rat yeah that they uh, just beat to death and now they're just eating that's the, the, guts. the start of the game yeah like, and now they're, they're, they're all the guts they're all the around this party and they like come on come in and and they're like eating this food it's like cake or something and then the pill like wears off and it's a rat there and they're all eating rats yeah. it's like oh yeah that, yeah that game definitely that's, had a, a feel yeah, to it that, 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 that's kind of like bioshock in bioshock i love the fact that it does a lot of storytelling through environment subtext yes yeah (laughs) and i i was looking through my like my list of favorites going where where was the storytelling in this and like i realized like i can't tell you what skyrim's about like everything all of the games that i really enjoyed were like ones where i got to explore and kind of Mm -hmm. discover and even invent the story as i go along because like in skyrim Mm -hmm. it's like well i'm the leader of the assassins guild you know yeah yeah. i don't know anything about being dragonborn but you know (laughs) um (laughs) well it's there's something special that's even tougher that there's different types of storytelling in video games there's games that tell a story and then games that allow you to tell the story and skyrim is one of those where you were given this opportunity where there are parameters they give you parameters left and right limits but they go after that, it's up to you. Like you don't have to. We <laughs> do have full a set, advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, we do have a set story laid out that if you want to follow it, you can, and you can experience yeah. what we written. But we also put so many other elements. You know, like some people like to buy Legos in a box that come with instructions and go, "I want to build the Millennium Falcon." Other people just want to take a giant jug of Legos and build the things they want to build. And video games do that with storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's either one of those it just depends on who you are that can make it special for sure another moment was my favorite game deus ex it really um 
opened my eyes to uh, conspiracy world uh unatco uh was the majestic illuminati, illuminati right? yeah. majestic 12 a lot of really cool <laughs> things and uh, i just enjoyed that how how many different place locations you go to how many different secret societies you take down and uh it's starting out at uh liberty island and ending where there's aliens and uh super ai that want to take over the world and just kind of cool sci-fi that hasn't never really been achieved i feel since then yeah uh two other ones for me even building a little bit about bioshock infinite the idea of like string theory and that there's always a lighthouse Mm -hmm. like that like challenged me mentally and that Mm -hmm. will always stick with me and that's why that Mm -hmm. game's so special to me is because of not only the gameplay itself but also the story it's trying to tell Mm -hmm. and that in different universes you as being a different person is like maybe you're the bad guy in one universe in the same and then that opportunity this game tells the story of you're a bad guy but you're also the good guy and being able to be the protagonist and the antagonist and the Mm -hmm. thoughts of that come along with it really depends on what side you're on to say who's mm-hmm. the bad guy and who's the good guy uh type of thing like that was super special and infinite and then the other one i would be remiss if i didn't at least mention is hellblade said oh, yeah. sacrifice and how they deal with mental illness and loss where the whole point you would like this game you should play this game will um the whole point of the game is you play this viking warrior mm-hmm. um that is on a journey to go find her loved one who uh, was taken to hell hmm. and that she's going to recover his existence, his soul, and bring it back because he doesn't deserve to be in hell. But the problem is, is she has a deteriorating um, mental state. She hears voices and they're telling her like she has suicidal thoughts and she's just been through a lot like PTSD-esque mm-hmm. type of things. At and one that- section, she becomes uh, mentally blind where she and you have to like see really closely mm-hmm. like where you are to try to like not feel your way but just kind of slowly find yeah, your you, way around it you can barely see and you have to avoid monsters and the, and that's and the other thing about the game isn't storytelling wise but the game plays really well like mm. the combat in it is excellent but then the puzzles in it are really cool because it's all about perception like there's a lot of puzzles where you have to line yourself up to look a certain way oh, yeah, to yeah. put like you know, this branch hangs in this way and then there's this fire. But if you look at it at a certain angle, it forms this symbol and that what's then that what's unlocks the door. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it, the game tells a really good job of dealing with mental health, perception, and then mm-hmm. also dealing with loss, like ultimately um, dealing with like because really at the end of the day, like she loses so much. And I don't want to spoil yeah. it because I think the game is would be yeah. super yeah, special for you. Awesome. And you and if you haven't played it, the listeners who haven't played it, you should play it because it's also not very long. It's like maybe a six hour to eight Definitely hour adventure. If you if you have them get surround sound headphones yes. because they they hmm. did a special thing where they had like a mic on a ball and they the the, the voices sound. the voices yeah. in the head they were like whispering oh, them all yeah. around so it, you can hear uh, it like right back here you can hear I it in front that way too much. You can hear it on the left. <laughs> but then also dealing like the game influences the way you think so yeah. a lot of times in games where you don't hear the inner monologue of the character you're playing if it's yeah. not a creative character where this game allows you to hear inner monologue that's, that's telling you a whole bunch of different things of like oh don't trust him 
or no, he's trying to betray you. But then at the same time, it helps you with combat because, because it's so close camera, Mm -hmm. like they had to give a cue. So you're not just getting hit by something and not knowing what it is and being annoyed. Mm -hmm. So it's like behind you and you like dodge out of the way and monsters like slices down and they do put a, so it's not hard to, it's very hard to lose in the game, but there is an element where a darkness starts to develop over her. And the more you die, the further the darkness crawls up and it can Mm -hmm. overtake you. Um, so th- there does feel a pressure of not dying because in certain games there isn't really a penalty to death other than just doing the thing over. Mm-hmm. In this game, there is a penalty, like because the darkness continues to creep up and up and up and up, and it begins to engulf her. So you do feel more pressure when it comes to combat of like you're more on the edge of your seat. Does that affect like the voices that you hear? I don't think so. In all no, honesty, I don't. Wanna... I, I never. I, the darkness never got me. No. That's that's what I'm saying. And I have looked it up. You would have to die an obscene amount of times oh, okay. for it to happen. But I like that they introduced it. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. it and they do it right off the bat at the beginning of the game. And it does it wasn't until I beat the game that I found out like, oh, like it's not impossible to lose lose. Yeah. But when I started playing it, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I did have a general fear of yeah. I can't I can't die. Like if I die, bad things will happen. And that was like a storytelling element of part of, of making me care that much more about this about this character um, within the world. And it was I, like if you if you haven't played that game, that game like Hellblade? I think is yeah Hellblade said soon as sacrifice. And uh, sacrifice. afterwards, a great thing was uh, people came forward and they 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 did a little documentary thing afterwards, but uh, they they were proud of how much this game. Portrayed. portrayed mental illness oh cool like just in the way that it made people understand what other people are going through like yeah. there there was letters that in is like my my brother my sister my relative has had this kind of thing and now i kind of feel what they have gone through and i thank you so much for that and just mm. cool things like that came up they also do a little vignette that you can watch at the end of it it's like a little documentary on how the game was made and there's a couple of cool things that make the game that much more endearing to your heart of like, for example, the one of the people who worked on the game was brought in just as a like a temp voice. They were trying to figure out how lines would sound. Oh, in she, ways. she was their uh, video. That's she was she was doing like a documentary behind the scenes of the game. Oh, yeah. Wow. And they and she read some lines and they ended up making her the main voice actress. And mm-hmm. she had she hadn't done that type of work before. no experience with it so that first off that was really cool when you find out about it but then they talk about the lengths and depth they went to talking to people with mental mm. uh, health illness mm. but also psychiatrists and doctors and how people respond and uh different signs to look out for and they, they like it's almost like a you remember like after school back in the 90s there would be the dare like the don't do drugs. Kids off drugs. Yeah, well, I was homeschooled, but I think dare program. Yeah, yeah the dare program, things like that. And that's kind. Of, <laughs> this kind of does that type of thing of like, like it's okay to have these problems. There are people here that can help you, like a suicide yeah. prevention type of thing mm-hmm. within a video game. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Trying yeah. to do something and, more and just, than just being a video. It's game. not necessarily like help you. It's like people can live through this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, do not yeah, don't feel like you're different to the point that you don't deserve to be alive. Mm. That because like the word disability is a bad way to look at the things. You're just yeah. different. Well, a lot of times like when you 
label something a disease or or an illness it's like you think it has to be cured well well i would say that you also get the sense that there's no escape or like Mm -hmm. that somehow makes you incapable in in a lot of ways and i think that that's limiting to how your body and your state heals like you kind of have to have a mental state that believes that you will get better in order for your body to repair itself yeah your mind yeah your mind's a, a powerful powerful yes. tool yeah and or a very very dangerous tool <laughs> oh absolutely it can make you go crazy and kill all the people yeah, yeah. when you're on a drug yeah eat, when you're on eat a drug rat pinatas yeah eat rat pinatas yeah absolutely mm, yummy any any other big moments you uh, can for, think of for me this is a game that came out recently it's an indie game uh and I actually didn't play all of it. I played enough to know that I can't play all of it. Uh, it's a game oh. called That Dragon Cancer. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that game's tough, man. Yeah. And, that uh, game's tough. It's a, a father whose kid died of cancer. Um, and he made it as... Initially, it he, was he a was making it. He was it, making it when while the kid, had, the kid yeah, was dying of yeah. cancer. And it's his way of telling people his experience and how he tried to cope with it um and it's there's it's super powerful because the narration is done um by him his wife and like the his other sons who are still alive and so like it's his other sons also trying to deal with their little brother who's dying of cancer and there's Um, also a lot of like symbolism yeah like Mm. there's a moment where you begin to drown yeah that 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 moment's insane yeah it's you're in an office uh and it's when the, the doctor doctor's tells office, you. Yep. Yeah. And then and then the the room starts filling up with like tears oh, or wow. water and and then you're in a boat in that water. Yeah, and there's like trying a storm to save going. your son or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's just like super crazy, super while impactful. while the conversation's still going up above yeah. in the real world. And it's but it's like all muffled, so it's like you know it's happening and you know what they're saying, but it's like that is not what you're paying attention to right now. Um it is such a testament to like the evolution of games and just the art expression that it has turned into like i remember years ago i told my friends that uh, video games were actually the most probably sophisticated form of entertainment because it it involved (laughs) so many elements that you know everything that a that a movie involves everything that music involves mm-hmm. it, it everything that art involves it combines every element plus the the interaction yeah yeah that's why that's why when i ever hear like anyone talk down on video games it's like of the medias that you can digest i think it's the best it don't get me wrong yeah. there are moments where you have mindless games of <laughs> i don't know yeah, what's uh, going on i'm just worried about getting the high score the buttons where great yeah, exactly. But I'm just the, shooting zombies. GTA, man. <laughs> the highs of what video games can do on a story level yeah. is higher than almost anything because yeah. there you can spend hours and hours and hours invested in a world that you impact yeah. as opposed to a movie or a TV show or a book where, where you spend a, all those times. Outside. Yeah, you you are yeah, you're an outside visitor into this world that you're investing to and reading about characters, but you don't get to choose what happens to the characters. You just it is a thing that is told to you. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You impacting that world. Yeah, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to video games, even video games that are on rails. Like yeah. Satsuna's Sacrifice Hellblade that we talked about, 
everyone has the same experience from point A to point B. The game is very isolated. Linear. There's yeah, it's very linear. There's a couple of times where it's like you want to go through door A or door B. And some people go through door B, but eventually they'll go through door A second. And yeah. the same people who went through door A will just go through door B second. So they experience the same thing. They just experience it in a different order. Yeah. So it's very linear, but the storytelling capabilities and how you impact it because mm-hmm, you are sure. controlling the character of going you're, here or going You're never there. thinking about what your friends went through. Exactly. Like you're thinking about what I'm going through at this time. Yeah. 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 It, and it has an, a, the ability. So it has the... The ability of books, like when you read a book, everybody can take different things from a book. You know what I'm saying? Of reading a certain mm-hmm. passage of like, I feel like it's this was an symbolism allegory. or something. Like yeah. That. Like this is an allegory. This is a metaphor. This is that and how you interpret it. Yeah. And then, you know, you see it with movies and everything. But with the video game is you get to like actually impact and experience it yourself and then interpret it on top of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something yeah, and special. And many at. Uh, individual paces which is kind of an interesting thing so you have a chance to process certain parts of information and kind of maybe leisurely go through something before you delve into the story and a more information feed again yeah and and a lot of times with video games that i haven't heard too much about this but more so with tv shows there's certain tv shows that are better parsed out like watch a couple episodes here a couple episodes there and then there's other ones that are better binged as opposed to, I feel with video games, there a lot of times any game that is good binged is still good in chunks. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if someone plays a 12 hour game in two sittings and someone plays it in 12 sittings, they're probably having very similar experiences with, you gotta within say, the though, game. When I came back to Monster Hunter after not playing it for like four months, I was like, oh, I have to take like an hour to learn everything. <laughs> so that's well, like- and video games are yeah that. Video games are a different medium of like you can pick up a book where your bookmark was like six months ago and you don't have to restart that book because you're like sometimes 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 but I feel a lot you can go back read a couple of pages and Mm -hmm. I feel like you're you're like okay I'm remembering all this yeah yeah there's games you go back six months you're like I have to start this I have to start I have no clue where yeah I I totally agree (laughs) I couldn't agree more like same like same thing with TV shows you can go weeks without watching a TV show, come back and you're good to go. But video games, like if you go a while without playing them and you come back to it, not only from a gameplay mechanic, but also a story, because games, more often than not, you're investing those longer than like a TV show, say. And, you know, TV show episodes are a little bit more, even though they can tell overarching stories, they are oftentimes self-contained as opposed to a video game. Like a lot of times the 12 hours you invest are all connected very deeply within the 12 hours you invested into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, video games are cool, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can catch us on Twitter at Nerd Weekly Cast, Instagram Nerd Weekly Podcast, and email us at nerd.weekly.forever at gmail.com. And if you're interested in comics, we're doing a comic podcast with Andrew and Cody Tuesdays. And then if you're into the films, which are pretty cool, I think you can catch us on Thursdays for Reel It In. And you can find me on Twitter at Nomaco2. Willie B. Snazzy on Instagram. You can find me at the local YMCA. No, I'm just <laughs> anyway, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, just, I was trying to think of a physical place someone could try and find me. Walmart. But, but I'm just going to be honest. If you try to find me in the real world, you can't catch me. Yeah. 
Impossible fight. Oh, you like, like a the Sonic? <laughs> what? You like Sonic? Go yeah, I'm like fast. Sonic. I gotta go fat. I got a Genesis. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. No, you can find me on Twitter at uh, underscore Anthony underscore Rod, but also Nerd Weekly Facebook. Oh, oh yeah. Facebook is definitely Facebook. a different place. Yeah, please uh, come join Nerd yeah, Weekly on awesome. Facebook. Nerd Weekly on Facebook. Uh, and then you can find me at Lebearded Cooper on Instagram. All right, this has been a lovely chat, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.